Hey folks, hello, hello. Thank you so much for checking out Danger Film Podcast. It is the Film Lord's opportunity to get nitty and gritty and deep with filmmakers in the FBI studios. Now we're joined by Imogen McCluskey, who is a filmmaker, writer, director, producer, extraordinaire, triple threat talent. She's got a feature film coming out and we're just here to talk about what it was like making her debut feature, Suburban Wildlife, with Sydney local talent. Imogen, thank you so much for coming on to Danger Film. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Everyone knows what suburban wildlife is about, but do you want to give us another little schmicky span? A schmicky span. Sum up of it. Yeah, no, I'd love a schmicky span. Suburban wildlife is a micro budget feature about uh, four friends who've just graduated university. Louise, sort of the leader of the group, is about to go overseas for a long time to London, and it's about the sort of the dissolving of their friendship. Like when you look around at friends that you've had for a long time and think, oh, maybe we're not meant to last. Mm. And it's sort of coming to terms with that in a really, like, authentic and emotional way, I think. This film was made on a shoestring budget. Oh, my God. I'd not love even, to... It's like a sandal. <laughs> yeah, no just, just like a broken Havana. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I believe that the film was made on $4,000, which... Yeah. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't even qualify as a budget to yeah, some filmmakers. No. It's like, yeah, I find it funny, like, looking at, with, like, a lot of film festivals and stuff, the micro-budget begins at, like, $50,000, and I would yeah. kill someone for $50,000. <laughs> I'll say it on radio, I would kill someone for $50,000. Um, we made it for $4,000, which was, like, generously raised through Possible, and all our friends and family helped raise that money for us, which was incredible. And we were able to use equipment from afters, because uh, we were students there at the time, and just did it. We did it over 14 days. It was such an intense shoot and it happened to be in February of 2017, which was like 50 degrees every day, all day. It was gnarly. And a lot of it is shot inside cars and we had this like black (laughs) Mazda car and it was just crazy because it was like me and the cinematographer just sweating so much like sliding off each other trying to get this coverage it was would not recommend like don't make your first feature inside a car it's like not fun unless you're really into the cine yeah Mm. (laughs) is that creepy we're married now (laughs) that's creepy but also that's just a little filmmaker insider inside fact yeah pick people you want to date and put them on your film set i would be flattered if I was picked to be an extra because you wanted to date me. We, I remember doing a shed scene and it was so hot and it was night time. Yeah. yeah. It was like in the pitch black, so I can't even imagine it was what crazy. that shed was like during the day. Mm. Oh my God. I got electrocuted that night, actually. Oh my God. I know. And what I was, was like, okay, that the was show you. must go on. I remember the yeah. lights went out. That was literally you. <laughs> it was first of many, like, shocks from that. Yeah. Oh it my was God. Gnarly, Imogen but... McCluskey putting her life on the line for a $4,000 film. Mm. I know. We had just such an incredible cast and crew that just poured so much into this film and like our wonderful producer Sophie Hatch our incredible Cine Luca save it for the Oscars I want to know who your inspirations were <laughs> save it Sorry. for, the- <laughs> no, save no, it for your enough. Oscar speech yeah, no, bitch it, that's so boring um, filmmakers that I absolutely love I think I reached a point a couple of years ago with like the books that I was reading and the films that I was watching I realised these are all male dudes like they're all male authors or male directors and I was like what the hell and so I like purposely went and sought out female directors and have just fallen in love with the work of like Andrea Arnold, Kelly Reichardt, so many people like Jane Campion's classic still haven't seen the piano lol but like love it. Um, (laughs) But love that movie. (laughs) Love that movie it's so great but like Nadine Labaki and people like that who are just like making these really beautiful moving intimate portraits of females or just society in general. And just the way that they shoot it as well just has this 
really intimate, beautiful quality to it. And we really wanted to bring that to Suburban and have this like dreamy nostalgia throughout the whole film, which I hopefully you can see in the trailer and is in the real film. But yeah, we just really wanted to... I'm also inspired by like our country. It's so beautiful. And I think a lot of the time it's shot in this really boring way where it's just like grey and washed out. And I don't see it like that. Like I think our, be- our country is beautiful and even like suburban Australia is beautiful. Like all the reds and greens and oranges and it's mm. so hot and there's cicadas at night time. And we really wanted to capture that beauty of suburban adolescence, really, and young adulthood. Mm. Oh my God, I love a heavy cicada sound. I'm mm. going to put one on underneath the next like, 30 yeah. seconds of whatever we say. Oh, well, that <laughs> is essentially our entire sound design. I was like, more cicadas, more! Totally. <laughs> Something I think about a lot when I think about mm. your film, I obviously know you very well, and uh, we've watched so many films together, so mm. I feel like we know each other's taste, is that your inspirations are from people who predominantly shoot on film, mm. and they have this aesthetic that is attributed to the quality of camera they have. Mm. Now, for people who don't know, film is incredibly expensive. And also digital is just not expensive. So Mm. micro-budget filmmaking is almost synonymous with shooting digital. Yeah, 100%. How Mm. did you sort of wrap your head around coming up with a new way of seeing what you wanted Mm. to show? Well, I think it's like you work with the tools that you have. So, like, it would be great if we could shoot on film, but I've never shot on film before, so I think that would have been absolutely daunting, like, you know, having that restriction. And having... A digital shooting on digital like we shot on an fs5 uh sony fs5 and you can just swing that camera around everywhere and it was just up to our beautiful cine luca to make it look gorgeous you know like it's really just like when you're on this level like you just have to work within the parameters that you have and the cameras that you have and all that sort of stuff and it was such a huge learning process like everything we shot on the last day was so much better than everything we shot on the first day of filming like it was our own little mini film school like Mm. a 14 day film school (laughs) you know do you ever find shooting because i always find this having the urge to just break the fourth wall (laughs) and have everyone just acknowledge that they're like doing this (laughs) including the crew you just film the crew hi yeah well that's it like it was just so fun because as hard and like I'm not gonna lie like it was really tough (laughs) like it was really long days really hot but we were just so lucky to pull together this incredible cast and crew that just were each other's champions and just really looked out for each other and supported each other and saw it through like it was really fun and just moments of absolute joy because we're all there doing what we love doing. I feel the responsibility for all of their hard work on my shoulders because now I'm executive producer as well. So it's like really seeing through every element of the film and I just want them to like it. I really want them to see themselves in it and in the story that we're telling because that's the most important thing. I always like think about showing uh, films from first-time filmmakers or small-budget films Mm. and wondering if audiences really get the impression that making these things are feats and that a lot is happening behind the film that that isn't being shown in the film. Mm. Mm. No, totally. And I think definitely the four main actors in particular, like were so important in forming their characters and built so much into the film and added so much into the film. Because when you write a script, like, it's there on the page and um, hopefully you're waiting for someone to, like, bring it to life. And we were just so lucky to have these four incredible actors who just fully took on these roles and breathe life into them in such a beautiful, authentic way. And they are four very distinct characters and, you know, it's an ensemble film and so you need four really strong 
actors and strong leads to sort of carry their individual narratives and to keep people sort of watching and interested and invested. Yeah, and I think because it is a character-based film, like it's not really a plot film, like there are no explosions and no one like defuses the bomb in the last like five minutes or whatever. It's trusting audiences to sort of love, fall in love with these people. And Hannah, Alex, Priscilla and Maddie are just stunning. I could just watch them all day, you know? Um, and they just have been so supportive and so amazing throughout this whole thing. So I think as a thought as well, when you're watching a first-time film, you don't have stars to latch on to mm. or people that you've ever met before. Yeah. So I wonder both ways whether people will understand their character straight away, not yeah. that I've seen the film or know what to expect, but then also whether if these actors go on to have careers, mm-hmm. if they'll be typecast in the roles that you've come up with them for them <laughs> for the rest of their yeah. lives and careers. Yeah, totally. 10 years down the track and Maddie is struggling to find work because yeah. she's still she's stuck in like, suburban wildlife. <laughs> yeah, like finding her sexuality like, over you, and over is again. Maddie McGilley and Abby Cornish, Teresa Palmer, because you found her? Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, you're welcome, Maddie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. yeah. My whole show reel is just like Maddie's face. So that could be a thing. Yeah, I think that's kind of the beauty of this film and a first-time filmmaker's film, I guess. And... I think that's the beauty of this film um, because they are just regular people and that was really what we were trying to say in the film is that none of these people are special. They're like your friends or yourself or you know what I mean? Like they're not fighting cancer. They're not like climbing a mountain. They're just all the events in their lives are significant but they're they happen to everyone. So it's your friend moving away, trying to find out your sexuality, having your first, you know, sexual experience with someone that you haven't had that with before um disappointments in your life like Kane is trying to move to America and you know that may or may not work out and like just things like that that happen to kind of everyone but have this significance because their lives are pretty contained and pretty safe and comfortable Mm. and I think that yeah it's definitely like a plus for the film because you don't have any preconceptions of who these actors are. They are these characters. And definitely because I've spent so long watching them, like I see they've given so much of themselves to these characters. So I think that's a positive for the film. Just rounding back on a thought, um, mm-hmm. do we have any opinions on people who do climb mountains? Because I don't <laughs> find that impressive at all. Did you see Ooh. that? Kate Winslet and um, what was that film? Idris the mountain Elba. Be- yeah, Idris Elba. And it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's called The Mountain Between Us. Yeah. Oh, I've seen the title. Oh and God. the plane crashes and yeah. then they get stranded Because I was the like, I was watching it and I was like, okay, this is based on a real thing. Like, fair enough. Good for you. Get down that mountain. But it's not based on a real thing. It's not based on a real story. They just made up this story. And I was like, that was dumb. Like, well, did you hear that happened really with The Way, so Way Back, that last Peter Weir film? Oh, really? Yeah, well, they ba- they made this whole film called The Way, Way Back, which was about captives in a Russian gulag and yeah. Saoirse Ronan's in it. And they escape oh. and they climb over the Himalayas and get to India. Yeah. And uh, the, the whole thing is based on this autobiography. Wait, they, go, they walk from Russia, Russia all the way to, to India, India Shivmi Timbers without dying. Without well, dying, well done, um, Saoirse, Saoirse Ronan is the only woman, and there's never even a hint that the men are like sexually attracted to her, Yikes. and that she's in any danger. <laughs> they make it all the way to India, and it's based on this incredible true story that was written by someone who escaped from a gulag. Jeez, turns out it's not a true story. <gasps> he made the whole thing up, oh God, and they made a whole film about it. Oh my and God. I think they knew it wasn't real, oh my but God. it was just oh, too good to be true. Yeah, totally. yeah, they're like, well, it's a good story. <laughs> uh, story is more important. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. makes me think about the Truman Show. Yeah, mm. that's another. Thought. That was based on a true story, though. That was based on an MTV show. 
Yeah, that was based on Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. Oh, really? oh my god, I'm gonna put it up on whatever we post this on. But Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> in 1974 was the hottest guy I've that ever photo's seen. Fake. That photo is fake. That it's fake news. Shut up, what happened? Is it fake? It's fake news. Is it yeah. fake news? Obviously, he, he could not have been that beautiful. He was so really? beautiful. He had Ozzy yeah. tattooed to his knuckles, and he looked like a beat poet. Oh my god! But with long, beautiful brown hair. <laughs> Looking for beat poets. <laughs> Looking for <laughs> beat poets <laughs> with the tattoos on their fingers. My who aunt is a beat poet on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my Facebook. Book is just beat poetry. <laughs> hey, I wanted to play a quick game if that's okay. Okay, not really. Go for it. While there are certain things that you need to know about filmmaking, about perseverance, artistry, and mm. technique, mm. there are also things that you can <clears throat> do in a filmmaking process on set that make the whole experience mm. possible. I think. And I was on Suburban Wildlife, and I got to pick up a couple of those. Uh, little secrets Ooh. so everyone says that you know you got to have a good idea you got to have perseverance you mm. got to have a passionate crew and that's all true yeah but there are also other things that are great to have that make microfilms possible yeah i mean i thought we could we could maybe go around the circle and just name a few things like <laughs> for example one thing that i noticed on suburban wildlife was just uh, having someone that just puts a bit of love and care into catering yes i mean that's the only thing Oh my god! It's, it's you've got to feed your cast and crew. Damn, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, depending on where you're working or on what set you're working, you might just be getting, you know, a just juice or yeah, you know, like a, baby carrots or a, or a cracker. <laughs> yeah. But with suburban wildlife, there was just this. Uh, I mean, like we're not talking like you know, Pan's Labyrinth meal, mm-hmm. but there was just you know, a meal waiting for people yes. when they were done working. Yeah. Definitely. I think that's the key. Is that I think some people get this the wrong way round in that they want the audience to love their film, but they mm. don't care if the cast and crew love their film. Oh my so God. they work their cast and crew into the ground and then the, they want the audience to love that it. That is my worst But it should nightmare. be the other way around. Like, yeah. The audience should be able to hate your film and hate the characters in it because that's fun. But the cast and crew should be really proud of what they're doing yeah. Yeah. and excited to go to set mm. and uh, it's all about morale boosters. Yeah. yeah, You're exactly right. So step number two respecting the crew and making mm-hmm. it a fun workplace because definitely and that's like number one to me and especially because everyone's working for free and everyone is so talented and wonderful they don't have to be there like mm-hmm. you need to <laughs> make a compelling case for them to be there and part of that is just basically respecting them and respecting their skills particularly soundies anyone oh. who doesn't hold for a plane is a piece of shit yeah. and also can we just talk about this imbalance between designers and cinematographers <laughs> i'm not Digging into Luca. Luca's amazing. Luca but is amazing. Luca, Camera the teams cinematographer. often forget that they rock up to set, their equipment is all there, it's the same every day. They are in charge of the shoot, they have the easiest job. <laughs> but designers and soundies and everyone else literally works their ass off mm. around the camera team and gets very little credit. Yeah. When you think about what the design team has to do every single day to make that film possible, they have to work with new locations, they have to literally build every single day a whole new plan for themselves. There's no, no routine. I'm just a... Shouting out to the designers in the room. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And Alex Culliver was our, like, crazy, amazing production and costume designer. And she oh. had four people, four main actors to style and dress every goddamn day. Insane. As well as hundreds of extras. Like, so many things that were going on that she mm. just pulled off so amazingly. You can step onto some sets and definitely that old hierarchy is there of, like, the camera crew and then everyone else, Every which is just money. such bullshit because it's ridiculous because we're all working really hard and you just need to treat each other with respect. And I, I hate that old, very male attitude of you need to prove yourself, mate. Like, you need to bloody step up and hold my shit and blah, 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 and then maybe one day in 20 years I can get a coffee with you. Like, that's just bullshit. And we were all coming to it as essentially film students at the time. And so we, I really wanted to make 
a very even playing field for everyone and just like because I love and respect all these people and they were giving their free time to this film they didn't have to so I'm just like eternally grateful that they wanted to work with us and hopefully they had a good experience and I think they did so mm. and this film doesn't sound like it was there for you to make money I mean we oh, no we worked on Hacksaw Ridge in separate capacities but in the camera team yes and you notice in that camera team um, underneath the eating steak with his hands Mel Gibson <laughs> that there is a hierarchy of if there's four bananas and there's a team of six, they go to the first person and then to the next person and then to the next person and then maybe if you're lucky, you'll get one. It's not first in, first serve, <laughs> yeah. which I kind of get. There's also Let's talk about how much we hate Mel Gibson. <laughs> but there's also like organisation that's strange of like <clears throat> who gets to eat first and all of these yeah. things that are in place that are not in other workplaces mm. that are in the film industry yeah. that make it toxic and scary and weird yeah. and strange. You are never too important to listen to someone. Just that is never, you are never too important to give someone the time of day. Mm. Like, I just hate that attitude so deeply. It's just so disrespectful and so counterproductive mm-hmm. um, because, you know, the ru- a runner on your set is working so hard and, like, a camera assist is working so hard, production design assist is working so hard. Everyone is working hard. And to invalidate their experience and their time and their effort by, like, not giving them a banana is just such a gross, like, throwing around of your penis. Like, I just Mm. hate it so much. So people make hierarchies to maintain their power. So, Mm. you know, the way is, like, to destroy that. Not just those runners have time to sit and plot their revenge. Yes, exactly. Yeah. What I think about this whole runners being disrespected on set, a runner could just easily kill anyone on set. Oh, my God. Because they're they're handling equipment. They're, like, handling so many things that important people are going to handle, whether it's food, equipment, transport. Like, those are all moments where they could just poison someone. (laughs) Seriously. Like, they are the most lethal people on a set. Circling back to Saoirse Ronan, I was watching uh, a fantastic film of hers called, um, what's it called? Oh, 73 Questions with Vogue magazine. Oh, yeah, yeah. I watched that the other day. One of her, one of her, top 10 tips that she learned on set is make your own cup of tea mm. and I saw that as right. her kind of saying what you're saying right now which is just that Saoirse. you're never too important to yeah. have someone yeah. make a tea for you definitely and honestly know your place or just the thank amount, them if they do like it's just the most basic it means a lot to a crew <laughs> the amount of crews I've been like been on or like mm. been and it's like the only thing the lead actors have to do is every now and then have lunch with the crew. Yeah. Like, just sit down with whoever. Mm. People love yeah. it. I remember being on Top of the Lake and Elizabeth Moss would always just, like, have a fag with the crew. Oh, my God. And that just, like, ingratiated her to everyone. And now yeah. she's on Jordan Peele's next film. So <laughs> There we go. Is have a fag on the crew just yeah. a way of saying she yeah. brought you out and was like, this is Jack. Yeah. <laughs> this is my gay. Yeah. <laughs> this but is I think, the gay that but I chose. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, I think that's why, like, you need to be... If you're going to make a micro-budget feature or a web series or whatever you're doing, it's going to be such an intense environment that you want to be surrounded by people that you love and trust. I think... Oh, I just remembered my thought. I was thinking about it because we started this conversation. Sorry to cut you off. That's no, so rude of me. But that's okay. I, we started this conversation to <laughs> I'm talk about... Pe- I'm worried that we're peaking because we're all shouting and we're sure, all... Sure. Sure. <laughs> I'm watching it. I, we started this conversation to talk about tips for micro-budget filmmaking. Yes. We didn't get past catering, really, or like no. massaging your crew. But <laughs> literally massaging your crew. I've forgotten the name of the director, but I heard that on the set for Strangerland, which I haven't actually seen. Oh, which I don't be... want to know. Is this weird? <laughs> no. Why are you such a fascist? I'm talking about massaging crew, I don't want to hear about well, this. That's a, so the director, she had worked on a lot of sets where the crews weren't looked after mm. and they went in all the way into the outback to shoot this film. 
film, Strange yeah. Land with Nicole Kidman, and she got two masseuses. Like, oh, for anyone to lovely. use at any point and they oh, were hired yes. for five, like five days a week nine to five and if you had a break if mm. there was time that you could get off you could book in with them and just get a massage Yum, that whenever that's delicious which is yeah. so such a beautiful way to spend mm. Screen Australia's taxpayer money <laughs> yeah look we're all paying for those massages so no, better make indeed. it worth it the important thing is to surround yourself with people that you love and trust mm. and who will stick with you that whole time because the worst thing would be having someone who's disgruntled or unhappy or whatever on set with you because firstly you need to work out like what has happened and like whether you can do anything about it but just that it's such an intense environment that that just can't happen and it just sort of destroys the whole thing and luckily Suburban was not like that at all and we just had such amazing people like Steph Stratton our first AD is actually a hero she is the woman of my dreams and having a first AD who can get your shit together and make it all on time and like make everyone happy is a saving grace so I have one last question and Andre probably has another one too my last question is now that you've made Suburban Wildlife, which is a first feature, yeah. you're a high achiever <laughs> and you're moving on to write and direct other major shows and there is a huge craving for new talent at the moment in the industry. I've just seen Whitney. What are you scared that fame will do to you? Are you scared that you're going to be <laughs> coke-riddled <laughs> and, uh, like, yeah. in Hollywood, just dragging yeah. yourself around from project to project, just <laughs> people-pleasing and just getting exhausted by all the parties? <laughs> I would love to go to a Hollywood party. That would be my crowning achievement. Look, I think I think at the bottom line is that a lot of the time you're... No, what do I want to say? I'm just excited to work, really, and get, like, paid for it <laughs> would be so nice. So I think my, like, coke addiction is maybe further down the line when I can afford it. But, like, right now I just want to, like, work and get better as a director and get better as a writer and learn so much more from people who know so much more than me and just get be ch- keep challenging myself. Like, we keep making, like, short films and music videos and trying out new things um, because I just love what I do. So... Yeah, and I think I can't afford to fall off the rails right now. I think my body's doing that itself anyway because my knees don't work and my tonsils fell out. So, <laughs> like, that is probably going to be my downfall. My, like, tragic story is, like, my knees stop working and yeah. I have to, like, have Imogen bionic McCluskey implants. The first uh, Oscar nominee to accept an award on yeah. stage in, like, a full-body cast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, like, with the aid of Would a whole crew. Would not be surprised. <laughs> like, this thing is not going to last much yeah. longer. <laughs> we actually, she accepts the award uh, through Skype because she's, yeah. just, like, in hospital and just, like, her whole body is... <laughs> Oh, too real. Oh, my God. That is tragic. Yeah. yeah. The first hologram acceptance speech. Oh, totally. Oh my God. Yeah. Imogen, you thought uh, Tupac was amazing. Triggered. Everyone Fuck. just gets sent a text, which is her speech. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, like read out by Siri. Yeah. Siri speech. Well, uh, just a drone floats in. I got two words. the award out. Oh, my Silently. God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. R.I.P. me. Yeah, Imogen's actually been dead for 15 years. Oh. And they play her exceptions. Andre and I wearing her skin. Oh, can I, goodbye horses. <laughs> can I say something about that though? About me dying. It is important because this is what I've realized as well is you need to look after yourself. If you're in this industry, a lot of the time when you're starting out, you're working for free and it's exhausting. Yeah. It really is exhausting. And you need to find a body double, find a body double, get a twin, get them to do half your job. But also just like I work all day, every day for free on projects I love, which is great. And I'm so privileged to do that. But 
it's you need to balance your life out and you really need to check in with your mental health you need to check in with your physical health cannot stress that enough because this film has like ruined me <laughs> in so many ways in a hot way like I love this film it's amazing but I reach a point where I realize I'm like I don't take any time off and if mm. I do I feel really guilty about it so it's finding a way to work that isn't going to actually destroy you and I'm not being dramatic here like it can really burn mm. you out so that if you do get it to a point where you're in a position to get a job or to you know do something amazing you're too burnt out to even appreciate it fully or you know make the most of it so I think it's so important for people starting out in the arts to like really ground themselves and find activities that take you away from it and relax you and that you enjoy that aren't to do with like ambition and you know learn how to meditate and find a shrink that's it I remember hearing an interview with the Safdie brothers that was very inspiring from Sundance and they said the first thing you need to do as a filmmaker as wait an that was the Safdie brothers? That was the Safdie brothers I thought it was the Duplass brothers it was the Duplass brothers it wasn't the Safdie brothers <laughs> it was the Duplass brothers Not I as wish cool. it was the Safdie brothers me too that would be so cool so cool the Duplass hip. brothers for sure and you can tell that they need shrinks but they yeah. they mm. said if you're starting out as a filmmaker you need to get Definitely. a shrink straight away especially if you're working in close quarters with people mm. that you're going to work with again and again and again. Holy shit, I know. I think there are a lot of free services yeah, headspace. that are available to people headspace, who work in the arts. Acon. At, yeah. And there are too many people who are trying to be artists who don't Definitely. Take, make the most of the services yeah. available and in also, Australia. Or take it seriously. I think Definitely. there's a lot of people that really do feel like their pain is their art and their art yeah, is their pain. Yeah, and it's and not... Like, it's also, it's healthy. yes, your art is your pain, but also it doesn't have to be everyone else's pain. It can yeah. be your therapist's pain. Yeah, just look after yourself. Please, mm. please, please look after yourself. And I, yeah. <laughs> and the more you look after yourself, the better you can do for your community. Exactly. The more you can do for the people around you. Yeah. And the less entitled to your yeah. own bad behavior and exactly. bad emotional swings and yeah. uh, I poor think physical that health. Links back to what we were saying about respecting the crew. It just brings you out of your own mind a bit and like you can get some perspective and it's mm. like you're not a tortured artist <laughs> at the center of all this like it's, you know, everyone's working just as hard as you. Andre sent me that thing earlier this year where it was like Steven Spielberg starts working out six months before a shoot. <laughs> so, oh, really? It's so funny because he's like Yeah, that's, that's his, oh like, that's his wow. shtick is that he wants to just be healthy when he's working on a film set. So he just Fair like, enough. Which is a, a true thing. So clean back to being a tortured artist and celebrating that. <laughs> whenever <laughs> I think like the tortured artist. <laughs> whenever I think about that to do with people who aren't working capital W in the film industry I yeah. think to myself is it actually worth being a tortured artist if you're not getting paid <laughs> like, <laughs> why are you pro bono sacrificing yeah. your like jeopardising your life yeah. for no money <laughs> like, did you there's a part in like Just Kids by Patti Smith about that where she was like talking about being really poor and really hungry and she was like it sucked yeah. <laughs> it really sucked and it led to like shitter work because she was too poor and starving to yeah. like actually spend time and on her art mm, so mm. i think there's like a romantic ideal of it but it also is just a very outdated way mm. of doing it and also with the film industry it is such a collaborative thing that you can't be this like mm. tortured artist in yeah, a tower somewhere and you can't be angry you can't be angry no one has time is it anger. chill out it does feel stacked against you sometimes and it is really exhausting and a lot of the time you're spending most of your time working for free and a very little 
of your time paying rent. But I think it comes down to what kind of career you want to have and what kind of work you want to make and whether that opportunity is going to lead to working with someone you admire or doing something that you really love or learning a new skill or whatever and whether you can still pay rent. Mm. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's not very fun. I would love money, but I got really sick and lost all my money because it mm. went to the government. <laughs> I read somewhere that apparently Ava DuVernay who didn't start filmmaking until well and truly into oh, her life. What a queen. She was working a full-time job mm. on the first five features that she was making. Like, that is absolutely hectic. That blows my mind that she did mm. that. I think that's the thing is that now, like, at the ripe old age of 24, I'm realising, because you really, like, look at people in the industry and you're like, you must have so much money. Mm. But... They don't. They no don't. one has money. No one's fucking getting paid. Yeah. Like, even if they are getting paid, it's, like, intermittent yeah. work. So it's... You really need to find... <laughs> you do need to find a day job that you like mm. and is flexible because no one is going to peer into your brain and be like, you're a genius. Let me, like, mentor you and pay for your rent and la, la, la. Like, mm. maybe that will happen and that's great. Mm. But, like, a lot of the time you still need to get a job that you can support your creative work until you get to a point where you can have that full time and just really realize that not be bitter about that like you just exist in the world with everyone else so you know it's a job at the end of the day and you need to have patience you need to have patience and understanding i feel like we all go through that moment of realization where we tell ourselves we look ourselves in the mirror (laughs) and we say it's okay that you're not Lena Dunham. Yeah. <laughs> it's all going to well, work out. Well, that's a perfect yeah. example of like... Jax is like, Andre, we're going to cut this from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would love that, to have my mum's friend be Cindy Sherman. Yeah. And yeah. looked after like Damn that. Damn it. That's it. And it's I just, that kind of you know, sounds amazing to it's me. It's not a level playing field, but it's just like, if you love what you're doing and you're working hard and, you know, you're getting better and you're passionate about it, you will probably have a good a, cha- a good chance of having a career in this industry, but it's and not easy. And make sure you're a good cook for crowds. Mm. Yeah. Bottom line is, like, if you love what you do, that will translate into a good film, I think. And if and you're a good person. If you're a good person. And, like, is a, not an arsehole. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to make a good film if you're vindictive, stressed, angry, yeah. disrespectful. I want to do one last thing and then I think we should wrap it up. Yeah. But I think we should end on an inspiring note. Mm. Yeah. I feel like I've gone through six months of not really knowing who I am or what yeah. to watch and nothing's really making me feel good. Amen. Not to watch, you poor thing. But I'm just saying, things are starting to happen. I'm hey. starting to be inspired by things. Apophenia is happening again. There's coincidence in the air. Sounds like there's mystery ahead of us. Juicy mystery that we this can wade through. Essentially what, what my psychic unlocking said the other your day. Do- unlocking your doors right now? <laughs> it might be a book. It might be a movie. Can we have some recommends? Because I just watched Pose and that was amazing. Mm. What else are we watching? I've been, oh my God, I've been reading beautiful graphic novels recently. Mm. I just Mm. read um, Ghost World for the first Mm. time. Inside of everyone, they know what they really like. Mm. And I think reminding yourself that, well, I'm very parched. (laughs) Reminding yourself that what you liked growing up. Talking to the mic. Reminding yourself of what you liked growing up. And harnessing that again and reminding yourself of that is really, really helpful, I think. Mm. So... I think anyone that just goes into their film vault and just watches something that they haven't seen in maybe like five years yeah. can be really fulfilling, I think. Yeah, and cool. I've known that because I've recently revisited things like Lost in Translation or Mirror by Andre Tarkovsky or Kill Bill. Like yeah. all these ones that I watched when I was like 15. Mm. Old faves are what gives you strength. Yeah. I rewatched Girls like season one, episode one the other day and I had a completely different perspective on it. I was like, you girls need to get it the fuck together. Mm, totally. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I'm always really bad at like 
remembering things off the top of my head, but I watched Mamma Mia 2 the other day and it was the best fun ever. Like, it's an objectively terribly, a terrible movie, but I loved it. <laughs> um, I think it's objectively kind of genius. Yeah, okay. it's just, like, so yeah. funny. And I just had the best time. Mm. Oh, my God. I just love having good times in movies. And then we watched Mamma Mia 1 <laughs> straight away afterwards. It was so funny. If I could recommend a really beautiful book that I read last year that I'm, like, dipping in and out of, it's called um, The Story of a Brief Marriage. I can't remember the author's name, but it's really, really beautiful. And it's just, like, set in the Sri Lankan Civil War and it's just, like, two days and it is the most beautiful thing you'll ever going to read. Mm-hmm. But there, yeah, there are just so many good things. What is... What I is, think we're I going to finish. We're going to get Imogen to do a voice memo reading an excerpt from... A brief marriage. A brief and that's marriage. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> exactly. I would actually love that. That's what we're going to do. I'm being serious. No, I want to think of a good. I feel like a brief marriage is like the epilogue of a series of unfortunate events. Yeah. Oh, that's like what happens to them later. Do all the Baudelaire's die? No. no, there's like hectic mushrooms and like spores that like. So much. It's the seventh book is fucked. It's fucked. It goes it's crazy. So fucked. They, yeah. they just like get all, all, And like the all, baby all is like a mushroom. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, everyone's like, movies are dead, okay, but they're not on. really. What's your favorite you want. Rom-com? My favorite rom com. Shamelessly. Oh my god. Well, obviously, like Four Weddings and a Funeral okay, or like yeah. Notting Hill. But we rewatched The Big Sick last night. That's great. Love you, Kamal Nanjiani. You're great. I haven't seen that, but always wanted to. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's so great. fun. Save it for the plane. I famously have never watched My Best Friend's Wedding. Oh, it. fair enough. And I am uh, going to go right home yeah. and fix that Julia Roberts' today. smile just warms the cockles of your, like, heart. Okay, has anyone seen Mona Lisa smile? Because I famously oh my also have We watched that together. Fair enough, we did. Image and I watched that yeah, together we, in our old house. It was amazing. It was yeah. a great hat. It was a it's, great... It's a great hat. Great. <laughs> okay, great tell movie. me about Julia Stiles in that, because I've heard a lot of hate for Julia Stiles recently, yeah. and I refuse to hate her, because I love what 10 that Things. That's SPS my favourite show rom-com. that she's, like, really rich, and her husband dies? What? She's, she's oh, on this... Oh, that's awful. I yeah. watched that. It's called Monaco or something? Mo- yeah, like, rich lady really in Monaco. Strange. She's She's some very wealthy woman. She yeah. gets seduced in the first scene, and then it's all about art dealers. She's yeah. an art dealer. She's and she an buys, art dealer. She buys work for, like, $2 million <laughs> a pop, and she's like... It's like, they were like, how do we find something for her to be cardboard in. Yeah. Yeah. But they really should have cast the art dealer from Who is America? <laughs> who is oh my, my god, the one who like hero. pulls out her pews. <laughs> she yeah. is my current hero. We were just her talking piece about with this. Vulture, her interview with Vulture is the most inspiring oh god, thing read I've that. read since Bjork and Timothy Morton had an email conversation. <laughs> oh my god, Bjork. <laughs> can, you imagine, can you imagine? I, I just imagine like a high class drama with Christy from uh, from who, who is this America? <laughs> and she's just there just being like, <laughs> she's like I don't have a map but that's part of my journey. <laughs> I'm off road, She's baby. Like, this story is oxymoronical, paradoxical juxtapositions. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, no. That's the tagline for the show. <laughs> That's the name of the show. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. We have to wrap it up. Thank you so much, Imogen, for being Thank here you. for Dangerous Filmmaking no Danger Film uh, for FBI Radio. Stay tuned for more interviews with mostly Australian, all ends of the spectrum of Australian filmmakers from extremist to observant pinpointed. Uh, to genre, genre, to micro, micro filmmaking, to art to filmmakers. Art filmmakers. You're just gonna try just and. Just gonna try and. <laughs> okay, we're gonna go now. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com/podcasts. Listener.